0: You're listening to the Transformative Podcast, brought to you by the Research Center for the History of Transformations at the University of Vienna. Hello and welcome to the Transformative Podcast, with me, Anna Calori. I am a postdoctoral fellow at RETZET, the Research Center for the History of Transformation at the University of Vienna, where we study economic, social and cultural transformations on a European and global scale. I am very happy to introduce today's guest, Tobias Ruprecht, who is a postdoctoral researcher and head of the junior research group Peripheral Liberalism in the Cluster of Excellence Scripts at the Freie Universität Berlin.
1: Hello, Anna. Thanks for having me.
0: Tobias is a global historian with a particular interest in the history of state socialism and neoliberalism. His research has mostly addressed Soviet and Eastern European encounters with the global south and economic reform debates in the socialist countries. He taught both Russian and Latin American history in Denmark and the UK before joining Scripps in 2020 to study economists and marketization debates in Eastern Europe and China. In the late 20th century. Today we will be talking with him about his new project on peripheral liberalism. So Tobias, how did you come to this topic? Uh, Can you tell us a bit more about your own path and how your work integrates within the Cluster of Excellence scripts in Berlin?
1: I'm a historian of Russia by training and I had written a book on Soviet Latin American relations. I was then hired as a historian of Latin America at the University of Exeter in the UK And during my time in England, I mostly published research on the Chilean model, that is the combination of free market economics and authoritarianism, as it was developed in the mid-1970s during the military regime of Augusto Pinochet. And I found it particularly interesting how this model was perceived in Eastern Europe, more precisely actually the entire world of state socialism during the transformation period around 1989. In many countries, in Poland, in China, in Estonia, Czechoslovakia, in Russia, References were made to the Chilean model, and often surprisingly positive ones, as a model on how to overcome socialism. I interviewed many Chilean economists who were invited to Eastern Europe and Russia as advisors in the early 1990s. And I initially expected to tell a story of the spread of you know, Chicago-style neoliberalism being exported via Santiago de Chile to post-socialist countries. But it became very quickly obvious in these interviews that this wasn't exactly what was happening all these Chileans emphasized how their hosts in Poland or in Russia were already very well informed about market economics and that they already knew exactly what they wanted in terms of economic policies. And these were often more radical notions than those of the, the Chilean guests. And mind you, these were tied in the wool market liberals themselves. When I was offered to lead this research group here at the Berlin Cluster Scripts, I thought this was a, a good opportunity to get back to the study of Eastern Europe and Russia and to find out how economic elites in late socialism developed their own notions of economic liberalism before the arrival of the notorious Western or Chilean The class at large deals with, as it says in the title, contestations of the liberal script, that is mostly contemporary populist or nativist nationalist challenges of liberal democracy worldwide. A lot of the prominent masterminds of this authoritarian wave are from former, or still self-professed socialist countries. I Think Kaczynski in Poland, Orban in Hungary, Putin in Russia, Xi Jinping in China. So what we with our group within the larger cluster contribute is sort of the history of the rise of a liberal script in these countries before it was challenged by these figures.
0: What is peripheral liberalism?
1: Peripheral liberalism for us are forms of liberal economic thought that emerged in countries outside of the core of the world economy, roughly from the 1970s. I should say that the people who developed these ideas did not necessarily call themselves liberal. Some did, some did not. But there is plenty of evidence that global changes in economic thinking in the 70s and 80s were happening in small academic circles in the socialist world as well. And you can identify core liberal principles in them. We don't mean liberal in a normative sense of progressive or democratic or open-minded and the like, but in a much stricter definition as pro-market, pro-individualism and pro-rule of law. So there were debates on the utility of consumer satisfaction in the Soviet Union around 1970. There were economists calling for mass privatization in Poland and the Soviet Union around 1980. Peripheral liberalism on the one hand is developed by intellectuals who realized that socialist economics had failed their country's ambition to overcome their peripheral status in the world economy. This had been a key promise of actually existing socialism and by the 1970s it dawned on some that this catching up was not going to happen. So they began discussing other paths to overcome their peripheral status, the self-perception of our actors, That's not just our Western-centric conceptual position also. On the other hand, peripheral liberalism also refers to the position of these liberals within their own societies and vis-a-vis local politics. These are tiny groups, usually on the margins of academe, under socialism. And also for the time after 1989 or in 91, when some of them do get close to politics, their influence on actual policy making is often overrated. Especially so in the literature on an allegedly all pervasive neoliberalism. So peripheral liberalism is meant as a double entendre. The self-perception of economic thinkers about the position of their countries in the world economy and the often peripheral role in local politics. Who are your
0: protagonists and what are their stories and biographies like?
1: Our protagonists are economists and social scientists, most of them born in the 1950s and 1960s, and we have three sub-projects. My colleague Alice Trinkel is looking at Chinese economists and their engagement with Eastern European economic reform experience in the 1980s the case of China, the liberals amongst these uh, these groups were mostly sidelined or went into exile after the Tiananmen massacre in June 1989. Then there's a project by Kevin Axe who writes on Estonian liberals, their roots in Soviet academe and their advisory activities in post-socialist states like Georgia and Ukraine. My own research is on the Russian variant of peripheral liberalism. I study those people who, in the 1990s and early 2000s, headed the ministries of finance and economics, the central bank, the privatization funds, or who created think tanks to promote free markets. What I'm trying to do is trace back their intellectual and professional biographies from the 1970s. They were mostly trained in economics, finance, mathematics... Their professional biographies usually began in the late 1970s at leading research institutions in the Soviet Union. Some of them became dissidents and called for liberal economy and rule of law, but also liberal democracy in some Izdat publications. But these were actually exceptions. The majority of, of our peripheral liberals clung to the authorities in power and tried to influence their economic policy. So as long as the communists find power, they work with the communists. Where the communists lose power, they work with the new democratic governments. And some of them are, at least initially, also quite willing to work with the, you know, this new wave of authoritarian governments, um, such as some of the people that I study in Russia. They stay close to executive power because they know too well that in most countries that we study, it is next to impossible to get democratic majorities for the kinds of economic reforms that they had in mind.
0: Tobias, one of your main arguments is that it is better to understand the major transformation in economic thinking and practice that led to reforms in the 1990s as globalizations rather than westernization. Could you tell us a bit more about this point and what are the implications of understanding this as such?
1: Sure. A key idea of the project is to question these oft-heard stories about Western advisors imposing their ideas on hapless Eastern Europeans after 1989. If you look at the contemporary primary evidence you get a quite different picture of the dynamics between the domestic and the foreign the west obviously was an important point of reference having the same living standards was the goal but as i said before liberal notions of how to make the economy more efficient had already been discussed in late socialism and the west wasn't always very relevant there are two key reasons for them first the west did not have a transition model it had market economies but few concrete instructions on how to create them from scratch in a hitherto socialist setting. Some other countries, global south, countries could provide much guidance here. South Korea, for example, had a model, export orientation and military rule. Or well, I mentioned Chile before, but a model even included the defeat of a socialist government, that of Salvador Allende in the early 70s. And the second reason why the West was not so terribly relevant was that Western advisers, including the notorious neo like Milton Friedman, did not know much about socialist economics. What was often more important were connections within the socialist world, which we in the group see as a form of globalization. And an economic expert from, for example, Hungary, someone like Janos Kornoi, was much more relevant for other peripheral liberals, for example, in the Soviet Union and China, because... A, he knew exactly how socialist economies worked, and so he could give much more hands-on advice, and B, because he could travel freely to all these countries. And Korna even became a bit of a a celebrity in China in the 1980s, and selling hundreds of thousands of, of his books.
0: Finally, what do you think is the influence of peripheral neoliberalism on other peripheries, or indeed on the core?
1: There are plenty of examples of the relevance of peripheral liberalism for other countries outside the traditional core of the world economy. As I tried to explain, such models were often seen as more pertinent or more applicable than the more generic advice, markets are good, state is bad, that someone like Friedman could give. Russian liberals, for example, followed very closely what was happening in Poland in 1991, where Polish liberals had gotten access to, to politics. I mentioned the Estonians who in the 1990s advised governments in Georgia and Ukraine. They were seen as competent because they knew how the economy ran in a Soviet republic and they had managed to fix a lot of its problems in their own transformation. Just because people go somewhere, this does not mean that they necessarily had much influence there. It would be sloppy source work to just assume this rather than prove it. And quite often I find that local intellectual traditions and debates and especially political power play are much more important than what some external advisors uh, have to say. And this also applies to your question on the impact back on the core. It is certainly true that the end of socialism and the liberalization of Eastern Europe sort of buoyed up liberal ideas in the West. On the one hand, the neoliberals would still complain that socialism is dead, Leviathan lives on, and so forth. But you can clearly see how Western social democrats open up to liberal ideas on markets and rights after 1989. Just think of Clinton and Blair, and then a bit later Schröder in Germany. But I'd say this was less of a direct influence from the East or from peripheral liberalism. And it would probably make more sense to think of economic thought both in the West as in socialist or post-socialist countries, as reacting to the same global shifts in the world economy. Again, we think that peripheral liberalism was more an intellectual engagement with globalization than a result of a simple process of westernization.
0: Tobias Ruprecht, thank you very much. And it is goodbye from me, Anna Kalori.
1: Thanks very much indeed. You have been listening to the transformative podcast produced by Red Set in Vienna.